0: Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low maintenance Trex deck. The only color fade you'll have to
1: deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Sorry about the noise, my neighbor's sanding his deck. My motto,
0: don't work on your deck, play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck, low maintenance with a 25 year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. We've got a special, special guest on the show, Bears, your good friend.
2: Yes, thank you very much, Iz. And we're going to talk a little bit of racing. Of course, yesterday it was the Melbourne Cup, and it was very elegant. Who was victorious? We're well, leading into the race. We talked about the hot favourite, Incentivise, the shortest price, price favourite since farlap in 1930. Mm. Well incentivize was brave huge in fact as was spanish mission the brilliant northern hemisphere stayer who had eyeballed stradavari st york and in, in august and there was many other great runs in the race but this was her cup the great mayor the great race was won by an iconic new zealand mayor very elegant it was ridden by a super freak new zealand jockey james mcdonald and it was trained by the master the new master in, in australian racing new zealander chris waller these combinations ensured that the New Zealand flag was flying the highest at Racing's HQ, and by g, didn't it feel sweet? And what that means is that the mighty victory for New Zealand's breeding industry as well. I mean, the Grange William Stud Z now a Melbourne Cup winning sire. Well, Andrew Seabrook is managing director at New Zealand Bloodstock, where winning begins. He's also a good mate of mine, and looking forward to chatting to him. Good morning, Seebs. Morning, Baz. How are you?
3: Well, busy good,
4: yeah. good,
2: good
5: mate. How
2: good? How good is that, Seeps? For uh, for the New Zealand uh, breeding industry, the New Zealand racing industry. That that uh, the New Zealand stallion Z, just a five hundred dollars service fee at the time that Very Very Alligum was born, has now served up the Melbourne Cup. Yeah, oh man, it's
3: just amazing, Baz. I mean, it, it was a it was an incredibly, it's just a staggering performance, wasn't it? I mean, I, I don't think there are enough to tell in the uh, Oxford dictionary to describe how good that win was yesterday. I mean, I, I didn't think she could win, honestly. I mean, with 57 kilos, um, only one mare since 1860 has carried that weight to win the Cup in the uh, Absolutely incredible. And I'm not sure if it's been reported. but that actually the fourth fastest time in history, uh, Baz. So um, oh, right. quite an wow. incredible performance, you know. Um, you know what? New Zealand horses have now won 57 Melbourne Cups 57 Melbourne Cups. That's 35% of the Melbourne Cups going back to uh, 1860 being won by New Zealand horses. Um, And given we've only got about 7% of the population in Australia, it's it's quite staggering. So, no, a huge, huge performance. I'm actually trying to think of a couple of performances by New Zealand horses in Australia you could compare it to. Um, And I think you've got to go back to probably Sunline, in 2000 when she won the Cox Plate by seven lengths and before that Martin Power when he won the uh, Corfield Cup by about the same margin um, yeah so just an amazing win
2: What does it do Steve? Andy what does it do for the for the New Zealand racing industry or the New Zealand breeding industry as well just success like yesterday um, does it have a flow on effect to, to the likes of the New Zealand bloodstock um, and, and the ready to run sale which is which is coming up very soon
3: Absolutely, it does. You know, and straight after the race, um, I, I got texts from from Australians saying, "Geez, go the Kiwis, you know, go the Kiwis." And I think they are as happy as we are, Bez, uh, because you know, the last few years, um, the the Irish and English horses have had their way in the race, and um, uh, there's been a lot of money being spent by by Australians buying the English and the Irish and the French and even the German horses to try and win the to win the Melbourne Cup. So it's it, it's Fantastic that the New Zealand horse has done that, and not only has she done it, she's done it so dominantly. She's beaten, mm. she's beaten the best horse in Australia, uh, this Australian bred, and she's beaten Spanish Mission from England, who's world world class stayer. So no, it's going to have a have a, a great run on effect. I mean, um, she's, New Zealand horses have been performing so well in Australia the last twelve months. It's like the good old days where we used to clean up everything, and and um, yeah, I mean it's. Um, it just—it's just going to be great for the yearling sales, and um, just see really we can get them here, huh? Hmm.
0: <laughs> hey, Steves, is he here, mate? Uh, what is this? What is it about the New Zealand bred horses? How, how do we? How come? What can you pinpoint it to, to why we have so success, so much success on the big stage? What do you think it is?
3: Oh, it's a whole lot of things. There, I mean, uh, our environment is is wonderful for breeding these these great staying horses and, and these tough sound durable horses that just right year after year i mean very elegant six years of age and, and still out of peak or you know just continues to get better and better so we're just producing these beautiful sound tough durable horses and, and i don't think we should underestimate our horse men and women either you know they, they uh they do they're on the world stage quite amazing really um of course it's it's that was um, evidenced yesterday by, by Chris Waller, New Zealand trainer, James, New Zealand jockey. So, um, and you know, we, we just our, our breed of horse just tough, tough breeds, and um, we, we haven't gone down the track. Well, we did for a while, but we, we Australia's uh, um, uh, obsessed with, with breeding speed and speed and speed. Uh, hence, they have got to go offshore and look for their good staying horses and. Um, Hopefully this will wake them up a bit more and, and make them come and buy New Zealand horses even more than they have been doing because they have been buying a lot in england and, and Ireland. but uh um yeah, it's got to be good going
0: forward nice mate yeah, I love it. I love it. What about j Mac mate James Mcdonald? We've spoken a lot about him on the show and you know the kind of yeah, where he's had to come from to get to the heights of where he's at now and He had a fantastic weekend of racing, obviously four Group 1s over the Victorian Derby and then heading into the Melbourne Cup, so he's had a wee uh, fill-up in the uh, wallet-wise, but um, but what about him as a a bloke, as a person, and where he's been able to get to from where he's come from and and the struggles he's had to endure?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's just a a great story, isn't it, he's he's an amazing person, he he really is, he's that... Mm. Uh, down to work, good Kiwi country boy that you that you see that have been interviewed on TV, the, the humbleness, that, that's him. And I, I've got to know him a little bit through, obviously, through Sir Peter Bella, who um, has been a great mentor and friend to him over the years. But no, he's he's now, now go down, de- clearly the greatest New Zealand jockey of all time. And, and um, uh, even my good mate, Green Thompson, who wrote Thor Cox Plates, will we'll admit that. He said he, a couple of years ago, he said he's the greatest jockey of all that New Zealand's ever had but he's now he's now probably the best jockey in the world at the moment full stop um mm. but just a great guy um and New Zealand means a lot to him and uh, you could see the emotion that he displayed yesterday and he would have been seeking his family back here and he uh, couldn't get over there to watch a race and uh, uh don't worry he'll always be a, a New Zealand kid nice.
2: We're joined by New Zealand uh, NZB's managing director Andrew Seabrook this morning to talk a little bit about the dominance that was Very Elegant yesterday over in the Melbourne Cup and also New Zealand breeding. Mate, I just want to... So Opulence, the mayor of Very Elegant, the Dan Road mayor, was sent to Zed a $500 service fee at the time. He now stands at Grange William Stud for $6,000. How to, Just try to explain to us how someone can come up with that mating and then yeah and, and a reason why that mating may may have actually been come about in what it's Yeah, resulted. it was amazing.
3: I mean Don Goodman, I think he's eighty three, so uh congratulations to you, Don and the Grains William and the Carter boys of course. So so Zed's actually he's actually a beautifully bred horse. He buys the Beal and the the Beal has left three Melbourne Cup winners himself and the Beal of course is by to and He left three or four Melbourne Cup winners as well. So Zed was actually a beautifully bred horse but, but um uh didn't didn't perform on the track but he he's beautifully bred horse and um uh, he went to stud. In fact, he he ended up in Gisborne for a while, serving station hacks, um, and, and then he left. Um, <laughs> he, he left a couple of good horses, and uh, the uh, the Carter boys decided to stand in the Grange William Stud. In fact, I think he stood a little Avondale as well before um, Grange William. Um, no, it's just that, look. It's just a great story that proves that horses can come from anywhere, doesn't it? You know, it's, uh, yeah. and I, we we all love the commercial stallions and and, and what have you, which which is great. Um, but it just goes to show, particularly in a country like New Zealand, that, um, you can get a mare by Dan Road and, and Dan Road stood at high view, of course, for, for not much money. And he was a, he, he was a youthful, sire, but uh, I don't think Gilly would mind me saying that, you know, he, he wasn't that good. He wasn't that great. Um, um, but he was, a, he left good, um, some good mudders, actually. And I, I thought that track would have been too hard yesterday for, for very yeah. elegant. Um, so uh, that's how much I know, but, um, no, just a, <laughs> just a great story for Zed. Now he's paying $5,000, and he's getting more mares now, obviously. And, um, you know, well, it would be pretty easy to sell Zed to Australia at the moment.
2: But... Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you made a good point there. Great horses come from anywhere. There is a saying in the racing industry that uh, good breeding, uh, good horses come from good breeding, great horses come from anywhere, and that is spot on. Hey, um, mate, you guys have got a of great horses, and you've got the ready-to-run sale coming up, I think, November 17 and, and 18 um how's how's that looking and, and how's the catalog and and we expect to find a champion in that in that list of horses?
3: yeah I'm sure there'll be a champion come out somewhere out of that sale Baz. I mean it's, it's got a great record it's um it's an amazing sale really but it's uh, different this year of course because uh, we can't get the buyers and the vendors uh, to Caraka here um so it's a 20 mm-hmm. million dollar sale and we we can't get anyone here uh, because of the border closure so. Uh, we actually have take the sale down to Hamilton. It's going to be a virtual sale, and at, at Chirapa we'll be able to get to the Waikato buyers and then for that. But there'll be no horses there, so it's it's all a bit new. Um, it can be. It's going to be online with um, uh, live bidding, and online bidding. So people from around the world will be able, able to bid and what have you. But it's uh, it'll be the first sale in our in our history since 1927. We've had a sale without horses present, so. Uh, but actually, we're, we're quietly confident. Um, the feedback's been great. The sales keeps producing good horses, and, and um, yeah, fingers crossed it goes all right.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And the the stats that come out of that sale—I don't want to get too heavily involved in it here—but the stats that come out of that sale are extraordinary, aren't they?
3: They yeah, are. And I'll throw—I'll just throw one stat at you. So for la- the last six years, there's been 20 Group One wins um, by ready-to-run um, graduates of the sale. 20 Group Ones in it, and 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 both Australian sales over that time time only five, so wow. that, that goes to show you how, how good the sale is. Um, yeah, they, they love buying the Kiwi horses as the, a the ready run sale. I mean, we sort of can't. Uh, if people come to the sale, they they're there for genuine sale. It's not as though we can pass them and and race them for a hundred thousand dollars on a Saturday like they can in Australia. So the, the Hong Kong and Singapore, they they love buying out of the sale. They can buy with confidence and. And the horses are ready-made and 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 ready to go, as you know best. It. So um, yeah. uh, it's a good, it's a great concept that's been working well for us, and it's a sale that's grown over the years to, to be a twenty million dollar plus plus event now.
0: Mate, speaking of sales, we've spoken about it on the show before. The uh, January there's a big sale in January. Uh, what's what's that looking like now? Obviously, COVID's uh, presented tough times and uncertain times to plan events and plan things going forward and uh you've promised us the wee little doozy for myself and bears and uh I've already caught it. I'm coming. and uh, the cracker millions is is that still going, Is that still going ahead or what's the plan there? Geez <laughs> you put me on
3: the spot here, is he? <laughs> um, no, it's, 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 um, no you're definitely coming to the crack millions yeah, the cracker million is definitely going ahead at Auckland uh, on the uh, what is it, yeah. Saturday the twenty second of uh, January but it's yeah. um it's it's we, we, we're going to be probably moving the sales, to be honest, um, Yeah. Uh, to, 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 to March. Um, There's just too much uncertainty at the moment. It's not just the, the mm. internal borders. I mean, at the moment, we can't even have an event here at Caracas. Um, to get yeah. a hun- to, to have an event here at Caracas for 100 people or more, uh, we need to be in the green light of that traffic light system. Now, who knows when we're going to be there? I mean, we're not even mm. in the red yet. So internally you know the board of them and it's very hard and also we'd love the Australians to be here and they've told us how passionate and they're just desperate to get here to buy the New Zealand horses so we're going to give them every opportunity we can to get there uh to get here for the for the sale so yeah we'll be putting the sale off to, to um to March and um and let's hope we can have a have a rip snorter but no uh, crack a million still going and uh look forward to seeing you there, Izzy.
2: What about the investigative yes,
3: journalism goes.
2: from Izzy? He's just got the scoop out of Seab's and New Zealand oh, Bloodstock. Oh, I, I d-
0: just...
3: Was that all right? I was just, I
0: was just heading for a yeah. party. I was going to go for a
3: party. <laughs> yeah, no, I, we, we, we notified the vendors. Um, you know, we've been in discussions with them for the last week or so, and, and uh, notified them by letter uh, yesterday that it was highly likely. We're highly likely, it's sort of you know nearly 100% to be honest that we're going to march, and um okay. so Izzy, you've just uh, yeah this is the first public announcement in the world, so well done.
0: Wow, <laughs> that's what we do, on fans and <laughs> Izzy for breakfast. We like breaking news. Thanks, Steve.
2: Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, Andy, we're going to let you go in a minute, but um I guess moving that sale is not necessarily a bad thing. gives gives the horses another couple of months to really furnish and. And grow and develop. So that's that's fantastic news, I think. But um, more more to the point, just uh, for those out there that don't know, Andy's been organising. Andy and Sir Peter Valle have been organising a little drop off for dinner for uh, for Flem and myself and, and Sir Peter each oh. night from from the the Double tree by Hilton out there at uh, what What's for dinner tonight, Seeps? Any ideas? Um,
3: I actually haven't checked the menu, Your Royal Highness. So. But um yeah, you know, after, after I hang up from here, I will check the menu and I'll let you and uh Sir Peter know. Um but you know, so we got the double tree by Hilton, just a little quick play for the double tree by Hilton Cracker, which is gonna be opening in February. So our chef is Jeez. a brilliant chef and he, he needed to um to get some uh, you know, to work out the menu and do a little t- um, tasting and work out what he's gonna be serving for the hotel, so he thought he'd try it out on um on your boys. So um <laughs> Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll send you through what you're, you're having tonight, bears. And would you
2: like any? What, what sort of wine would you like tonight? Would, would there any preference oh, you like tonight? No, you, you know what I like. Sebs just you know, as long as it's.
3: <laughs> you never get you know, of...
0: you
4: know, like wet. <laughs> <laughs> Righto, very good.
0: <laughs> Thanks right. for joining us, That's mate. Nice. That was awesome. Okay. Thanks,
4: right. The Heartland Rugby Championship. Well, it's getting down to crunch time, is he? It is, mate. There's only one more round to go in this
0: year's Heartland Championship, and due to COVID rule change, there will be no semi finals. That means first and second will play for the Meads Cup, third and fourth will play for the Lahore Cup. Hodfanoor Capri sit, currently sitting in fourth place with 23 points while only losing twice. Their clash this Saturday is a must win with other teams breathing down their neck, and they face Poverty Bay up in Poverty Bay too, so that'll be a challenge. We're joined by Head Coach Ahorafenua Kapiti, Chris Walton. Good morning, Chris.
1: Good morning. How are we?
0: Ah, very well, Chris. Good morning to you, brother. Hey, did you, quickly, did you have a little fill-up on the Melbourne Cup yesterday or what? Oh,
1: I did back uh, J-Mac very elegant, eh? so uh, I like that. I was, yeah, I was pretty happy with that.
0: Oh, how good, mate. What, what steered you into very elegant, if I may ask?
1: Oh, I just like Jay Mac and he's a Kiwi. And uh, yeah, I sort of like that horse. So that was a good sign for the week, wasn't it? Great sign. At least yeah. I can have some money for it. Might have a couple of beers up in Gizzy.
0: <laughs> good spot up there, mate. Go to the Lone Star right on the wharf there. You'll have a great time up in Gizzy. Oh, yeah, Enjoy we'll that. Hey, mate.
1: Of time, you know. <laughs> We know all the spots, Izzy.
0: We know all the spots. I know all the spots, bro. The wife's from up in Gizzy, so it's been a wee while there. So enjoy that wee trip, mate. Um, let's chat about your season so far. You only lost twice. You got a, you've had a pretty successful season. You're currently sitting in fourth uh, behind uh, Whanganui, so potentially going to play them in the seminal, but you're pretty happy with the season this, so far?
1: Oh, yeah, we're we're really happy uh, with it. We were just stoked to get a Heartland campaign to start with. And then, um, you know, COVID hit and then we had a month off. Sort of uh, helped us a bit, eh? Changed the whole draw around and uh, let us get back into the season. And, yeah, no, it was good.
0: Yeah, I like that, mate. I like that. Yeah, we've spoken to a few uh, outfits as well. So the off-season, the the wee break, gave the squads time to get the chemistry, get their fitness going as well. Have you noticed the the fitness from the lads, has that been up to scratch uh, from the break coming back into the season and getting it all started again?
1: Yeah, well, I think because uh, we've been together for about six weeks and then uh, we sort of uh, had a couple of pre-season games and then the boys sort of gelled a bit and then over COVID we mm-hmm. had all the fitness challenges on the chats and a lot of banter and um, Matt my run and all this other stuff and the boys uh, <laughs> bought in so we're actually fitter when we got back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris, yeah.
2: it's uh, it's here. It's Basie, mate. Was that a real challenge to be able to navigate through that period with with the guys to just keep them all on task and and uh, make sure that they they did turn up fit and ready and, and motivated?
1: Well, I've got a really good senior leadership team. Uh, my captain Ryan Shelfer is playing his ninety ninth Hartland uh, game this Saturday, and um, you know he, he he's a good uh, he's got a good team around him and. I think for Heartland Rugby, it's like how much the boys enjoy it, you know, and how much they enjoy being around the team and the boys, and and, and as I said, you know, we had this really awesome, uh, we had a couple of trips in pre-season, and there was a really good uh, bit of whinaungatanga there, and then, uh, you know, not everybody bought in, of course, it wasn't perfect, but a lot of people did, and they were really, uh, yeah, looking forward to wearing the jersey and representing Horta Fingera so... It wasn't as challenging as I thought it was going to be actually uh they, and when we came back you know everyone was just fizzing for it, so yeah, now it was good mm. so chris is that is that
2: sort of your style of of coaching as well mate to uh to really lean heavily on on your leaders and and encourage them to drive oh, the, drive the side forward
1: yeah it, it it has been especially you know as a coach and you have a really uh really good relationship with the captain and, and, and uh, can rely on him to do all sorts of things like that, actually, you know, make, make the boys honest with game plan, make the boys honest, you know, about the pride of wearing the jersey and, and uh, out there on and off the field. So I'm, I'm pretty blessed, really, to have uh, that relationship with my captain. And over the years, it's my eighth year at Heartland, I've learned about uh, how valuable that is and how valuable it is to uh, actually... Promote the senior leadership team in their position and and get them to drive things that probably are more effective coming from them. Some messages than 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 the coaching management team and things like that. And, yeah. Hey, Matt, um,
0: Chris, I want to ask you. <clears throat> but, um, I just want to quickly ask you about the current format and the current setup of the Heartland Championship because of COVID, it's just got one big round robin, top two play the Meast, and then third and fourth play for the Lahore Cup. How do you see going into next year? Do you, did you like the old system when they had split um, kind of divisions in one place for Lahore, one place for the Meads? or would you like to see one whole division? Because after watching this year, and there's been a lot of hype around the Heartland Championship, it's been awesome to watch. Like teams are, are getting a lot better, and you're seeing the smaller, you know, the smaller provinces with your yeah, East Coast getting their first win over. Uh, for, for many a years and you know yourselves like Horafinu Kapi up about the top, Whanganui there about thereabouts, North Otago, would you like to just see one whole division or how do you see next year uh, looking?
1: Oh, for me it's like uh, everyone wants to win the Meads Cup and um, you mm. know uh, 2018, Horafinu Kapi have been going since 96 and in 2018 we won our first cup, we won the Lahore Cup and uh, that was big for us, you know, it 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 kicks us in the hunt for semis, if you're not, you know, like one of the superpowers, like Wanganui or something like that, and uh, I just think for us, it's about striving towards something, so uh, no, I, I like it, eh? I like it that, you know, and, and as you say, we've only lost two games, and, and if we lose on Saturday, not saying we will, but... If we did and uh, didn't get a bonus point or anything, we'd be out of finals. And uh, yeah, there's there's two things. But I know for us in our community, to win the Brian the whole Cup was well, it was, it was, it was awesome. So, uh, mm. you yeah, know, I like it how it is. I like having a um, having the two divisions and things like that. Of course, everybody's striving for the Meads Cup. But if you miss yeah. out, and, and I suppose. Uh, with all our players and family giving up so much you know like a lot of travel mm. and a lot of time away and, and you know got a lot of young players with young families and that too, to still have something to strive for uh, I think is good
0: Yeah nice Nice Love that Chris Walton he's the head coach for or Kapiti mate we're going to have to let you go but all the best this uh, Saturday against the Poverty Bay up there and Gizzy uh, don't go yeah. very well and we look forward to seeing you in that Lahore Cup final mate
1: well, hey, hey, it's, uh, it's um, yeah, it's, it's exciting and uh, we're looking forward to the challenge.
4: Yeah, awesome. Yep. Awesome. Go well, mate. That is Chris Walton. Cheers, brother. Izzy, there's a really interesting story that um, Trudy talked about in her news that's kind yeah. of come out this morning regarding Carl Heyman. Um, mm. Did you overlap with Carl Heyman at all? N- no, he was gone no. after the 2007 World Cup, wasn't he? Um, yeah. And you're not that well, old. I with him, actually. Oh, did you?
2: Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, a couple of years older than me at King's High School down there. Played cricket with him. He was in our our, uh, second 11 in the early stages.
4: Oh, wait. Did you play second 11? No. Is that what you just said, sir?
2: Well, I went and watched second 11. Oh, right. My brother was playing in it.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sad. Oh, sorry. You are... That is... (laughs) lined them up there poor mattress, mattress. <laughs> <laughs> Um look oh this isn't a laughing matter anyway but look, this story's come yeah. out this morning Carl Heyman um, Dylan Cleaver who's another he's a pal of yours Baz he's a very very good journalist and um, Dylan he's writing for his own bulletin now Uh, that you can go check out, The Bounce. And he previously was at the New Zealand Herald for years, and he's written about dementia and concussion with rugby Mm. players. Um, Walker Nathan, who has passed away recently, he covered him a lot. And, And Dylan's been kind of on the pulse of this progression and following what CTE and what's going on out of America and then how there's kind of been a bit of silence and... Certainly in New Zealand rugby, but in rugby in general, just a bit slower to the punch about this. And, yes, they're not lowering their heads with helmets like there is in the NFL, but Dylan's been on the pulse of the story for years now, really. And um, the, the update today is Carl Heyman, um, well, he's been diagnosed with CTE. He was obviously – well, he actually was one of the highest-paid rugby players in the world when he went to France Post that World Cup, and he was one of the best props in the world um, – but yeah, he's had a shocking diagnosis after extensive testing in England. And you can read all this more in detail. I'm just going to go over a couple of the, the key points and, and let the lads kind of react. And we are all just kind of hearing this for the first time. But you can go and catch this all at the spin-off if you want to read it. And I encourage everybody to do that to get the full extensive um, um, uh, understanding of what's going on. But he's had brain scans and um, he has been diagnosed with early onset dementia and probable chronic traumatic um, a word that's far too long for me, better known as CTE, and it's a progressive brain condition which has been strongly associated, as I said, with the NFL players and other sports around the world. Um, there's been to- lots of links with CTE and depression, um, CTE, and, and-, and then the story you hear Carl Heyman talk about some of his dark moments. Now, um, he is back in New Plymouth now with his partner Kiko, and his daughter, the story goes on to say, but the, the hook here is he is joining and he is the first All Black or former All Black, and I don't know if there's any wider New Zealand rugby players that have joined a lawsuit to uh, being prepared on behalf of 150 former pro rugby players, which you've got um, Steve Thompson, Alex Pomper, Michael Lipman, these guys that have played lots of tests for England and Wales and other Northern Hemisphere nations. It's a landmark lawsuit that's claiming that rugby's governing bodies namely World Rugby, failed to protect players from the risks caused by concussions and sub-concussions, which is really the key here, despite being armed with the knowledge and evidence to do so. So this is, as I say, it's been a ticking time bomb of a story. This was only a matter of time until a former All Black joined and kind of this this came to back into the New Zealand cycle of news and media. Um, World Rugby, Dylan goes on to explain, has consistently declined to comment on these lawsuits and, and have put, always put out broad statements, but Carl Heyman has spoken to Dylan and he's kind of gone on about the, um, yeah, the... the, the battering his body took in the kind of dark places it's taken him now this is a key point and Izzy I think this is something you might be able to kind of give us a little bit of an explanation on just about the sheer amount of rugby you played during your career he emphasizes in this story that it was not concussion but the sheer volume of sub concussive hits that concerned him so Carl Heyman played close to 450 first class Or professional games over seventeen years, and that body of work is what he says is hundred percent what's contributed to his dementia, his early onset dementia, and CTE, and it's those and so subconcussive hits. It's kind of not necessarily the time you get knocked out or the the time that you obviously are concussed. It's just the persistent, constant banging of your head when you put it into a scrum or in a ruck, and that's what he goes on to kind of explain. I think that's a, a really key point. Is to world rugby have they been and they say they have been armed with this knowledge that that's not been good for the brain and they've let it go on and just one other point before I hand it over to you is um, that uh, the ACC law in New Zealand, so this, this, there is no legal avenue to take action against New Zealand rugby due to the ACC law in New Zealand that offers no fault insurance for personal injury and removes the right to sue. So that's the lay of the land. That's kind of just a bullet point of the summary, and I do encourage everybody to go read that story, but is I'll chuck it over to you for your initial reaction, bro.
0: Yeah, look, Um. am um, I'm shocked, but I'm, I'm not surprised. I, I think this is probably the only start of what's going to eventuate from this. And I spoke to Bears off here about it, and I said, look, this is, this is a part of the... The problem was back then, there was that whole stigma going around of, of when you were a rugby player back in those days, like having a headache, having a little bit of blurry vision, you didn't want to show weakness, so you didn't want to show weakness, and it wasn't ever ever spoken about. Many a times when I started my career, I got knocked out, I got knocked out plenty of times and then I went on the next week to play again because there wasn't that study or there wasn't that scientific evidence, it was only just really starting out to showcase the onset um, a, a concurring problems that you have from being concussed and, and the problems you, you you receive later in your life from all those heavy knocks. So... I think this is only going to be the start and I, I hate to say it and I, I feel like there's going to be a lot more and there's been a lot of uh, things happening in the NFL at the moment with the biggest obviously topic at the moment was Aaron Hernandez and he obviously murdered He was a New England Patriots uh, tight end. He obviously had a very successful career, played with the one and only Tom Brady and he went on and, and, and had problems with his CTE and, and things like that and obviously made the decision and changed who he is as a, as a person. Um, but back to Carl, mate, like this is, yeah, this is a pro, a problem. Uh, look, the thing I have is we, we all play rugby and, and we all know the the challenges that we're, we're going to get to. And then the whole thing I'm trying to pinpoint is just like, you, how do you, how do you change like, you know, the tackle technique? There's been a lot of things about tackle technique, uh, about the high ball, protecting players. But the thing is rugby happens so, so quick and your head and, and things and parts of your body are going to get put into p- p- uh, positions in, in the game where you're going to be vulnerable. You're going to be vulnerable with what you're trying to do. You're going to get things. So ha- for me, it's like how do we change the game or how do we um, how do we change things? In, in, and I think World Rugby and New Zealand Rugby, they're in a tough position because technically you can't really change the game or you can't change how people are going to tackle when you're running a hundred miles an hour and you're that's saying you got to per- get your body into a perfect position. Nothing is perfect out there. So it's a tough situation. And I know the, um, uh, the rules and, and the protocols they've got in place now, they're outstanding, but it's, it's reactive now. It's reactive. They weren't really proactive and, and we're going to see a lot more cases coming out from, from these previous players. I feel for, um, for Carl Heyman and his family and, like I said, there's a no- number of players. Steve Thompson, World Cup winning hooker over in England, he's struggling at the moment. He can't even remember the World Cup final. So um, yeah, it's it's a tough one. I I don't know what the outcome's going to be if if they are able to. Like well, bears, no. What what does outcome come from? This from the players. 150 players um, suing World Rugby, and you know you've been an athlete, and and you've you. What's your take on this, bud?
2: Well, I think first of all, what we should acknowledge is what is CTE, and, and CTE is. Mm. There's, uh, I think, there's four stages of it, and they include um, short-term memory problems, depression, aggressive tendencies, explosivity, and and also you know you've got some executive function issues as well, and then it sort of progresses through, and those they they start to compound themselves those um, those issues, and then it can lead to suicidal thoughts and and um, ultra-aggressive outbursts as well. So look, there's... And then can actually end up in, in um, Parkinsonism as well, I think, um, where that affects some of your physical movements. And I think the life expectancy of those who suffer from CTE is not overly um, attractive. Um, mm. I think it has quite major um, implications on people, not just from a suicide point of view, but um, but also... Um, just the way that it, it, it kind of eats away at the body and the mind. So I think it's f- the first thing is to understand what it is um, and then understand how it comes about. And you're right, rugby is such a difficult sport to be able to make change in because it's a combative sport where you need, where, where it's a physical uh, confrontation. So there's always going to be incidents where that battering of, of um, bodies yeah. together it's not always bicep on bicep or chest on chest. It's occasionally head on knee or head on shoulder or head on head. And that then obviously creates some some real issues. So I don't don't know where where it's going to go. What I will say is I think a lot of parents are are waking up to the fact that that rugby can be a very dangerous sport. I guess the best thing – well, one of the things with professionalism is that you are – getting athletes who are sculpting their bodies to be able to handle a lot of those blows. Um, mm. But that's at the top level. I guess what happens underneath is also uh, an issue too. Kids are getting knocked out on sad days at rugby, you know. The club rugby, yeah. There's, yeah. there's people who are, who are tradies who turn up on a sad day and they go and have a game of rugby and find themselves with their, he- their head in the wrong place on a tackle and they get knocked out. So it's not just at the very top level, it's a filtering yeah. down system. I think New Zealand rugby's in a really difficult... Um, position, um, but I would say the game itself's in a really difficult position. I feel for mm. the likes of Carl, who's given his life to the sport and is now in the back end where he should be enjoying his life. He should be able yeah. to um, enjoy the fruits of all the labour he's put in. Um, he's made some questionable decisions over his life as well, that has to be said, um, and, and that's been well documented. Where he's, he's hurt other people too, so I think he he needs he would he has taken some responsibility for that as well. But I think it's mm. just disappointing that that someone who has has who should be enjoying everything they've done in their life at this age is now really struggling with what is is now clearly an issue. So yeah. It, it's yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't it, know, mate. I'm, I'm a little bit lost for words. It's yeah. quite raw as well so I, I really don't it, know mate It is
0: raw too bro. and, it, and Carl Heyman like he's, he's an absolute legend and I just feel he's got young, four young kids as well um, I think like now I, I know rugby has got a lot of protocols in place there is a lot of protocols with the HIATS team coaches doctors physios there's actually a, a person designated on the sidelines this is for professional not for, for, for kids but for professional there's a, there's a designated person with a camera their own view their own tv they are looking for concussions they are looking for head knocks because that we've got to change our mentality as athletes as well we've got to change our mentality we're not staunch we're not invincible we're not um you know unstoppable we can get hurt and, and there's going to be times where you just need to put your ego on the side put your family and your life ahead of you rugby and sport is 10 percent of your life 15 percent at max you know you're only going to have a small window of opportunity to to create a career out of it so we've got to change our mentality and i think there is a positive change at the moment players are being a bit more aware of it kids they are a little bit more aware of it as well telling their parents parents are looking for it um there's been a great text here we can't change the game as opposed to change the game. we've just got to inform inform the, these players inform these kids about the ch- the risk about the the symptoms that's involved if you have these problems and um you've just got to inform them to hopefully for them to make decisions because the reality is doctors can't say what these these people are feeling you've got to be open you've got to be honest and and you've got to be transparent about it as well bez
2: yeah uh, just to follow on that text that is actually Brian Stronic who is the high performance manager of New Zealand cricket said is the outcome more yeah, it's yeah. the outcome that more people need to be fully informed about the risks and therefore mm. the decisions as opposed to trying to change the game. So thank you, Stronny, for your message there. Someone who is at the coalface of, of these issues in a different sport, albeit, but still at the coalface. So we appreciate you texting in on double eight, double three as well. Um, Stronny and let us know, let us know what your thoughts are on this, on the Carl Heyman diagnosis today and the story that Dylan Cleaver broke on his, um, the bounce independence, double eight, double three. Let us let, let Izzy in particular who's it's it's more his kind of domain being involved in rugby, but let me know as well. So fascinating and not the end of this conversation, that's for sure, but great thoughts there is. Very um open and, and transparent and thanks for your honesty as well as well there, mate.
0: John Dunn, he is joining us right now on the Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Good morning, John.
5: Good morning guys,
0: how are you? Oh very well, mate. How how are you going? How are you going, bud?
5: Yeah, pretty good actually. Busy, busy time of year, but um, there are a lot of horses in on Monday, but, but they're sort of tracking up quite nice. So sort of uh, they're racing good and, and, and seem fit and healthy heading into next Tuesday. So hopefully hope it goes well.
0: Yeah, looking forward to next Tuesday, mate. And uh, you had a pretty successful another Kaikura Cup under the under the belt for Classy Brigade, mate. How's she, how's, the, how's the horse going?
5: Yeah, he's great. Yeah, really good, uh, getting the third cup. He's sort of he's been a great old horse. He's um getting a bit older than the tooth now, but he's still going probably better than he ever has. Um, Manners always been great, he's always steps and put puts himself in a good position, but um he's definitely finishing off the race as well and he's he uh, pulled up from Monday great, so yeah. He's got a big big chance. Hopefully he just draws the front draws come out this afternoon, so hopefully he just draws the front line so he can use that um Good stand start, man. It's, to put himself
0: in a good position. Yeah, what would that position be for you, mate? What would be the p- perfect position going into next week's Tuesday Cup week? Oh, I'll have to be honest, I got on um, self-assured last last year paying four bucks. It's a classy, classy harness horse. And uh, um, what would be the perfect position for you, mate?
5: Yeah, like you say, I'm is definitely one to beat. He, he sort of went really good at Ash Burton. But... Um, Last year, unfortunately, I drew the second row, sort of in the start was a shocker, so it took me out of get-go. Um, so, yeah, big thing for us is just hopefully we can draw the front line and sort of get up. he sort of horse, he, he races on the speed a lot better, so um, sort of lead, trail, three fence. So i would be wrapped with any of those positions.
2: Johnny Dunn, Baz McCullum here, mate. Hey, um, $13 seems pretty, pretty generous then if you're able to... Draw a nice number out of the ballot, wouldn't
5: it? Yeah, definitely. um, He's he's like, yeah, he's good going good. Like, he he ran self-assured to a nose at Ashburtons two weeks ago. And then um, he won won on Monday the Kaikoura Cup. So he's definitely, well, he's great each way bet. um, Definitely a great place bet anyway. All right,
2: beautiful each way all day there for... (laughs) $13, <laughs> $13, thank you very much on Classy Brigade. What about your uh, your trotting star, mate, Sunday Sun? How's he going to hit the big trot?
5: Yeah, he's really good. He's really good. He's in great form. Just as a funny race the other day, he raced at Kaikoura as well. He ran third. Um, he got beaten by a very good horse in Muscle Mountain. But the sort of race didn't sort of pan out the way it suits Sunday Sun. They sort of walked round and they just sprinted up the straight. Um, I'd go wide on the bend on a fast last quarter. So, But he's still hit the line well. He's pulled up great. Um, he, he'll be looking forward to the two miles on. on he doesn't race cup day races, show day only in the Dominion. But he, he's got a great two mile record. So, um, yeah, couldn't be happy with the way he's sort of going into the race.
0: Well, I was watching the Melbourne Cup yesterday and uh, seeing the horses when they're doing, going around the the uh, uh, what is it, The birdcage. They're going around the birdcage and they're getting the, the feel of the crowds and, and getting a bit more I'm seeing some horses reacting really well, some horses not reacting too well to the crowds. No crowd this year. No crowd at, obviously on, on Tuesday at Eddington, the first time ever. So it's gonna be a sad, sad day, but we'll watch it on T V. Do do the horses and yourself, is it gonna are they gonna react any different or, or, or how how will they approach that without having any crowds there?
5: yeah probably horse, horses probably um, like you say some can get a bit upset by the bigger crowds and and mm. not quite run it run it good, so uh, get get a bit worked up prior to the start um most of ours are pretty good, but like as drivers too like especially go cup day, the crowds there, you just get the adrenaline running a fraction more, you know it's a big big dance and um yeah, so it's disappointing all right, it's gonna be a different different atmosphere, It's a bit like Kaikoura cup, kaikora. Not having it at Kaikour this year, we had at Addington, no crowd, like, you sort of go to Kaikour and they'd be packed in the middle of the track and um, people come far away, like, especially for that one day out, so, um, it wasn't quite the same, same feeling, but, um, it is what it is this year, unfortunately, so we've had to. Uh,
2: Oh, he seems to have dropped out at a opportune oh, time. No. You're kidding. <laughs> You're oh, kidding. No. That was our pacing
0: tip. Johnny. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny done. Do
4: you that's a move? Uh, he's. <laughs> 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 nah, he's um, I must be called Silent. He's. Oh, he's is that he's the
0: whole <laughs> Silent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> is it a cryptic
4: clue? Forget some of these cryptic <laughs> crosswords. We've got them here. Hey, uh, it's. Is uh, he'll be um, down? You know, Woody and Beach. They have the training. Um, yeah. they trade down there, and and there is a little bit of sketchy service towards the beach. But great to catch up with yeah. John, who is a very good driver.